Welcome to On The Block with Richard Stone. Richard is a 40-something construction company owner based in the UK. His passions are technology, business automation, customer experience, and helping other small business owners using his own valuable life and business experience. This podcast will be a mixture of solo spots, casual conversation, as well as inspirational key people of influence from their respective fields. Make yourself comfortable and enjoy listening. Here is your host, Richard Stone. Good morning. I'm welcome today to Laura Taylor from Empowered by Cloud, who's here to talk all things accounts, automation, systems and processes and all the good stuff that she does for lots and lots of small businesses throughout the i think most of the uk laura would that be fair to say yeah all over the uk um, do you actually work with anybody outside of the uk is that is that something no. that you have done or no, you could do or? we could do automation work outside the uk but because of different tax laws and legislation we're better to work in the uk for for accounting right. work I thought that might be the case, but I thought it might be good to just check because there's people that are sort of not UK based. Um, that are, I mean, I was talking to a guy last week who's got a property business, but he lives in Spain, um, yeah. and and he wanted to do some stuff. So it's always good to know. So okay, so to get people to um, get a little bit of a flavour as to who you are and what you're about, so we've got some standard questions that we sort of normally talk to people about. Um, so first and foremost, what did you want to be as a child? I actually used to want to be a vet, <laughs> which okay. is complete, completely different. And then I realised that um, I didn't like blood, so swapped it for numbers. <laughs> it's a bit of a problem now if you want to be a vet, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, I used to want to be a farrier. And actually, if I, um, if I were to, I don't know, maybe come into some, some money from the lottery or something, then I'd probably um, maybe look at um, doing something and training as a farrier. Um, I just used to love horse riding, so that's quite interesting. I, I went yeah. horse riding as a child as well. Ah, okay. I was quite quite involved in it. Really? Yeah, I used to be child labour. I used to do the mucking out to pay for my riding lessons. Same here. There used to be a um, a pony club where you got points for um, for mucking out the stables yeah. and points for lead, leading the horses. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, not very tax well, very tax efficient, but I was only about twelve, so. Okay, so moving on, who is your favourite famous person and why? Probably Robbie Williams. <laughs> and that's, that's not because, um, you know, he's done anything in business. Um, just used to, used to like the band, used to like to go and see him all the time. And he's not bad to look at, I suppose. Well, there is that. There is that. <laughs> oh, moving on from um, Robbie Williams then and being eye candy. Three things from your bucket list. What are three things you'd like to tick off as um, having completed or achieved or done? I would like to go to Thailand. I've not been to Thailand. Um, and I'd like to go around all the islands. All of my bucket list seems to be around around holidays. I'd also like to go to Australia. Okay, that's not <laughs> um, a bad thing. And I'd like to run a marathon. I've done almost a half marathon. Haven't haven't went any further with it. So I'd quite like to, um, to run a marathon at some point. Wow, that would be some that's some achievement to do that. So we've done a half is good. So congratulations on that. So okay, so moving on, three things that you um, 
not too keen on it, you might want to put in room 101. Spiders. Spiders, okay. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think don't, I've don't got, like a, them. got a little girl here who might agree with you. Olives. doesn't matter um, how often I try them. Um, olives can definitely go. And heights. Now, I know you can't really put them into a room, but I'm very scared of heights. So okay. even if you go to, you know, some hotels have a big glass elevator that goes yeah. up. Once you get to about the fourth floor, I start to get a bit dizzy. <laughs> uh, okay. You won't be coming out on any site visits anytime soon then with us, no? No, just watch the, dr the drone footage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's quite interesting, actually. So, okay, so moving on then. So if you could have a deal, uh, evening dinner with a famous person, who would they be? Where would you eat? And what would you eat? Dinner with Rob Moore. Mm -hmm. um, where would I go? Potentially the kitchen in Edinburgh. Okay. What would I have to eat? Something seafood. Something seafood. I'm not sure what. But they do, they do nice scallops in there, so. Oh, very nice too. I must admit, I didn't go there when I was in Edinburgh. So, I'd, um, yeah, it sounds good. Favourite hobby? Now, people always laugh when I say this, but my hobby is business. <laughs> I really, I really actually enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, and some people would probably say posting on LinkedIn was a hobby as well. <laughs> so I do, I do quite a bit of that. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Um, and uh, it can be, it's, uh, we'll come back to that because that's, uh, a lot of people say, oh, it's a really good thing that you're so work motivated and driven because I'm exactly the same. And it is good, but it's really, I find it quite challenging because when it's also your hobby and you enjoy it, it's very difficult to switch off. Because you because you yeah, enjoy it, it, so it, it doesn't feel everything. it does yeah it does and it doesn't feel like you're actually going to work either. So favorite holiday destination? Quite like Cyprus. Okay. Um, I just think that it's it's nice beaches, clean, hot but not too hot. Um, I've been to Cyprus three or four times then. Oh nice. Yeah, we've we've got the same kind of relationship with Mahon. We go there quite often, quite often because it's nice. It's quiet. You know where stuff is. It's nice and clean. The people yeah. are friendly. So okay. So and last, what makes you proud? I think getting to where I have with the business in such a short time. I started up the business with absolutely nothing. So to now have a team of five and a great client base and, you know, so many connections on LinkedIn who've, who interact all the time is yeah, it's something that um, makes me proud. Yeah, I can imagine. How long have you been trading now? Uh, two and a half years. Wow, that's some achievement then, isn't it? So, so you know, two and a half years, that's not, not very long. I mean, when you think the amount of businesses that actually fail in year one and then the percentages that if they don't in year one fail in year two, yeah. so not only sort of still be in business, but actually doing the, doing the sort of level of turnover that you are and building the client base, you are, that's some achievement. I would, yeah, I think that's something to rightfully be proud of. Right, okay, so so moving on. So, I mean, we're, we're currently, I mean, these are pretty much dateless, my podcast, but I think it's probably important to date stamp this. So it is now, where are we? The 2nd of April. So we're, we're sort of two weeks into the kind of COVID lockdown period. Um, how are you finding that? And, how, and what, the, what are the impacts that you've had, that you've felt in your business? Because I think that in terms of the lockdown, first of all, um, I'm okay with it. I think every day is different. Um, some days, you know, you end up, you're fine with it. You go out for a walk, you come back, you know, you potter around the house and things and it's fine. 
and there's other days when you know you just get a bit a bit annoyed with it that the fact that you mm-hmm. can't go and do your day-to-day things and you know go out and about for me i was always out on site visiting client clients and getting really involved with their business i'm, I'm quite an extrovert so i like people so <clears throat> so that makes me tick if i'm not around people for a long time um i start to to get a bit annoyed so it's, it's, it's up and down but mm-hmm. on the whole um i think it, it needs to be done and it is what it is yeah, I think you're right. I think we've just got to knuckle down and I think the people that are going to come through it are the ones that approach it with some positivity and just sort of, I don't know, perhaps that sort of British spirit that people talk about, that you just keep calm and you've just got to carry on doing what you do, keep making sure that you're you're out there, people know that you're out there and you're still trading, however that might look. I mean, I think as you know, I mean, we're our site's all closed but um, and the staff are all furloughed. Um, but we've still got tendering to do, we've still got estimating to do, which is all part of the kind of sales and marketing of the business. And that still goes on very much, you know, every day. So we're still trying to make sure that clients know we're, clients know we're here. Um, but it is a challenge. Um, and I don't necessarily think that the guidance from the government has been as clear as it could be. I mean, yes, they've given daily press conferences. Um, but some of the messages that have been out there, I mean, construction, for, for example, it's what I work in, so it's what I know, so it's what I can talk about. Um, there's a lot of talk about uh, originally people should stay at home. Then they were saying, well, if it's safe for you to travel, um, you can go to work. If you can't work from home, well, you can't put the scaffolding up at home when it's meant to be on somebody else's block of flats. But equally, that's very difficult mm. to to it, to bring about social distancing um, when you've got guys working that close. The same is in the roofing industry, decorating them. Decorating is not so much of an issue, um, but lots of trades. I mean, and it is it is tough. I think it's it's not going to be a, a five-minute thing. It's going to take some time to get through. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of timescale for how long the social distancing might go on for? I guess it's it's hard to say, but I think everything at the moment is pointing to at least three months. Um, I think if you look at what, what other countries are doing, um, and you know, they've, they've brought in all the schemes seem to be for three months. You know, if, yeah. if you can furlough employees, you know, there's the self-employed grants, they're all three months as well. So I think everything at the moment is pointing to there or thereabouts. Yeah, I would agree. I think three months is going to be the minimum, minimum isn't it? And they, I mean, they've, they've not ruled out that actually this may go on for longer. So I think three months is a minimum and they'll probably just keep reviewing it. And that's, I mean, that's what we're having to do with the projects that we've got. Um, what are you, how are you finding that with the project work? Because project work is quite a big part of what you do, isn't it? Yes. How are you managing that with your clients? So we have, um, our business is predominantly 50% project work and 50% retained work. And the project tends, project work tends to be sort of value added work in terms of automating systems and ins- installing systems and you know, helping, people, helping businesses become more efficient. The other side of the business is retained work. So that's helping people with management information, cash flow forecasting, VAT returns, everything that you would do in your finance function. So the project work almost the day that we locked down every single project was put on hold we, we, we lost 50 percent of our business overnight however um, we didn't quite we're in a, a more fortunate position because we're able to do you know some of the work that's required at the moment so cash flow forecasting um, and helping businesses understand where they are and what, what supports available so on the whole we did take a we took a hit um, but that's starting to come back through now you know People are starting to settle a little bit. To begin with, mm. it was shock. You know, it was shock across the board. 
Um, and now people are saying, well, you know what, if I'm going to be in my house for the next three months and my team are furloughed um, and there's training to be done, well, because you can, you can train your staff throughout that period, actually it'd be a really good time to do it. So some of these projects are starting to come back through again. And I think people are going to find that not, you know, not in industries like, you know, construction because the sites will be closed, but for any other businesses that can still operate to a certain level, um, I think that we will find people start to move a little bit again. We won't be back to normal, but I think, I think there'll be movement. Yeah, I think it's going to take some time, isn't it? It's good. That's quite encouraging that actually people are seeing that as an opportunity to um, get people to do some training. I know it's what we're doing with some of our guys is actually they're doing training on different stuff. Um, like workflow you, max and different products as well as sort of more even more sort of stuff like day-to-day -day stuff like office applications and that kind of thing and um photography and all manner of different subjects just to kind of if nothing else it keeps their brains active um yeah. and it gives them something that's positive to do during the day and it's really important to have something positive that you can actually focus on and and not just the positive but but also because a lot of training is very very modularized it's the sense of achievement that they've ticked something off and they've actually achieved something in each day. Yeah, I think it's important to keep the workforce engaged. Um, and I think it's really good that people are still allowed to train in this period. Mm. Um, because if you think about it, you know, previously, if you were to train somebody and they were, you were taking somebody off of chargeable work to train them, the cost to you is their, the cost of them as well as the cost of the training. Yeah. Where actually, if people are sitting at home just now, it's, it's the best of a bad situation. You know, yeah. if, if people can, can still maintain their, their training and, and get that done, then it's one positive. It certainly is. I, I do wonder what the, um, what are the implications are going to be coming out of the back of this, because the government have thrown some pretty serious numbers in terms of money, money into this, the economy to help people in all, all manner of different ways. And there's lots of different people, are sort of, some people are sort of quite happy about how that looks. Other people, particularly sort of self-employed directors, um, are not so happy about that. Um, but I think the last message from Richie was pretty clear that they're going to be looking at ways to kind of reduce that bandwidth between how the national insurance is recovered on PAYE employees versus self-employed. Um, I know you're part of quite a few different um, accounting sort of mentoring groups and masterminds and yeah. stuff. Has, has that been discussed very much? I think it's, it's all speculation at the moment. You know, people are, are talking about what, what is going to come next? And, you know, some people have got ideas about it's going to change the way that we're taxed. It's going to, you know, align the employed and self-employed in terms of the tax that they pay. Um, I guess nobody knows. However, the Chancellor did hint to that um, in one of the briefings that, you know, he's going to be looking at something. So I think it, until we know the damage, I don't think they'll know. But when, when we come out the other side of this, and, you know, business, business starts to get back to a, a, some, a semi-state of normal, I think we'll have a bit of a better idea. I don't think it's, it's not possible, is it? I mean, at the end of the day, so much of it is time-based. It's like when we price premiums for jobs. Some of it you have fixed costs and some of it you have time-based costs. And depending on how long the job is, depends on what the total of those time-based elements are. Until we know the duration that this is going to go on for, we, it's not, I don't see that it's actually possible. Calculate what the final bill is going to be. We can, they can run models to say if it's three months, four months, five months, they'll know what the final bill mm. roughly is going to look like, but there's no yeah. way to actually physically calculate it until we know what the back end of it looks like, particularly given the amount of money that they're having to spend on NHS extra provisions. And I mean, I know a lot of the work at Nightingale and stuff, 
people are doing sort of out of goodness of their heart, but it's still millions and millions of pounds being spent um, on a lot of these temporary facilities and stuff. You, the the yeah. cost of that has got to come from somewhere. I don't think we're going to know the true cost, and I suspect probably given the scale of the problem, it's probably going to be years before they actually finally are able to put a true number on the cost of this. I think it's just something that's never happened before, so there's there's not really a comparison um, to say no. what, it's, what it's really going to do to the economy. Um, what I do know is that people are frozen, and even businesses who are sitting on cash are reluctant to spend. Um, and one of my things that you'll maybe see me talking about on LinkedIn quite a lot is that we need to keep cash moving. Now, that's not saying that if you can't afford to pay for something, you should be paying for it. But if, if businesses are sitting on, on cash, keep it moving. Mm. You know, pay, pay your suppliers because that's, that then means that they can pay their suppliers and so on and so forth. Mm. It just is a knock-on effect right the way through. Yeah, and at the end of the day, when you follow, if you follow that money train far enough, and I always had this thing about when I was employing guys, is if you follow that far enough down, that becomes a guy's wages that he needs to pay his food bills and pay his rent. So yeah. I think we've all got an obligation to try and sort of help people out. And I know I had a conversation with um, Graham earlier this week about some payments I'd made to some small, tiny sort of sub subcontractors. I mean, not I mean, one was a one man band, the other one had got sort of eight or ten guys working for him. And yeah. I sort of I'd release their attention. That eight hundred pounds to them. Is going to do more good that business than it is for me. So it's about I think everybody's got an obligation to try and act as responsibly as they can. Yeah. I, mean, I know there's there's a lot of talk about trying to get government tied up in government contracts released early. I'm I don't I'm not sure that that's ever going to happen. I, I really don't see that. That's um, I don't see. I think it's too fragmented. I mean, if you think about every local authority contract that's got retention in it, I mean, how many local authorities are there just in London alone? Let alone the whole of the UK. I don't yeah. see that actually, yes, it would be a really good thing to do, but I think it would be one huge, huge piece of admin. Um, and then off the back of that then, whatever that, if that retention gets released, they're still going to want some form of surety from those businesses. All that's going to happen is there's going to be a cost for providing that surety from like a bondsman or some form of parent company guarantee. So I don't think it's a, a real quick, easy way to just turn a tap on and, and inject a load of cash into the economy like people seem to think it's going to be. Moving on from COVID. So a lot of the work you do, 50%, I think you said, is sort of project-based. Do you just want to quickly, I mean, I've done some project work with you. Um, but uh -huh. do you just want to talk through kind of how that works and what you're offering is just so that people that are listening can get yeah, a bit of an absolutely. understanding of what that actually looks like? So we predominantly work with Zero cloud accounting software. So Zero is an accounting package um, that allows you to manage your day-to-day -day finances, um, but it also has some inbuilt ability to automate different processes. Zero also links up with lots of different apps. We also advise on the different apps that link up with Zero, and then we try to automate processes and help businesses ultimately become more efficient and remove a lot of the manual processing. So if you were, um, you know, let's say you had somebody who was sitting in the office all day processing purchase invoices, and the invoice comes in through the post, you then go onto the computer, they enter it onto the computer, the market is paid on the invoice, they tick a box, they file it away. All of that process can be automated by using, um, we use a program called Receipt Bank and we can automate a certain level of that process through there. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with Receipt Bank from the work I've done with you myself. It's The benefits are just so huge, it's almost inexplicable <laughs> without some form of <laughs> diagram or... Um, I mean, for us, it's revolutionised what we do because it means that if 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 yourself or Graham just happen to be sort of looking at our Pleo or our Zero, you know that some money's been spent on something probably before even I do. It's just so so efficient, and it's just it takes out so many steps in 
if you think of, I don't know, a process as maybe 14 blocks of Lego in a line, that probably takes out the middle 10 of those Lego blocks. Yeah, and that's a really good way to describe it, Richard. So it's, um, it's just taking it, saying, you know, what is, what are the steps in this process and which ones can we take away? And if yeah, we can take uh, some of them away while maintaining control, because that's really important to still have I was, control. I was going to say that, yeah. Um, and if we can give the insight at the other side in enough, in enough detail so that you, you know where your business is, sits, that's it's a really good exercise. Um, and the value that that gives out the other side you know, is, is massive because people have such a time saving and are getting better insights about their business. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a number of things. I think it's your point about control is quite right, actually. And I think arguably it probably gives you a greater level of control and a greater level of accuracy because every single one of those boxes that you've taken out, if that's a human interaction, that's an opportunity for something to be done incorrectly, wrongly, or, yeah. or, or even potentially fraudulently. I know that's something we've talked about separately previously. Yeah. So the time that you saved in doing all of that data entry where you could also be building in errors, could then be spent. If you spent a third or a quarter of that time actually looking at the reports that come out of the back of that automated process, you're yeah. far, that's a far better use of your time than it Absolutely. is to simply sitting there manually entering data. And the fact that it links through to so many other apps that capture data like TripCatcher, Receipt Bank, Workflow Maps, I mean, all of those apps in themselves are really powerful tools. But when you sort of pull them together, it's almost like having like a hammer, a screwdriver, a spanner, and some wall plugs all in separate boxes. When you put them all together and you actually say, right, there's a toolkit, that's when yeah. it becomes really powerful. And when you put a human being with that toolkit, that's when it becomes exponentially powerful because actually they all work together, they share information. How does that, is that done through, I mean, I don't know how it works, I just know it works. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> um, is that through sort of APIs? Is that, is it yeah. so APIs through, through? through APIs? So Zero has an open API where, you, where you know, different apps that you've got to, um, if you want to be a, a zero approved app, you've got through, to go through a certain process. But anything can be exported out of a system and imported into zero mm -hmm. as long as it comes in, in a, you know, a standard format. Yeah. So all of these systems basically push information into or pull information out of zero. One of the other ones that we use quite regularly is float, cash flow forecasting. And the, the beauty of that is, again, if your zero is up to date and everything's in there, you then can work out what's going to be in, in your bank at the end of the month, you know, and, and start to, once things become known, you can change that. So if you need to, actually, you're going to pay an, an invoice a week earlier, you're going to pay an invoice a couple of days late, you can move that in the system and it tells you, you know, what the impact of that is. That's really clever, actually. I saw, I was looking at it with Graham earlier this week, because one of the things that's been really beneficial from my point of view, working with you guys, is the ability to sort of sit, sit down, albeit virtually, um, with a cup of tea and go through some shared screens of actually some forecasts and actually map different models and literally sort of like eight or ten keystrokes and you're looking at a different business but but right now business is moving that fast that you need to have that flexibility so I would imagine that there's probably two types of business right now there's the businesses that are just sort of as I think somebody said on LinkedIn I think you mentioned earlier there's the people that are sort of just sort of don't want to get out of bed and just can't face it and they're the people that are actually right do you know what? We're on the beard of bang here. Let's actually harness this opportunity. What can we do to move forward? And they're the kind of people that really, I guess you guys want to be connecting with. Because A, yeah, they're in absolutely. the right mindset. And B, they're the people that are actually going to really appreciate the benefit that all of this stuff can bring in terms of automation. 
So, I mean, you've got float for cash flow, but there's a couple of other, there's another one for cash flow that you can use, isn't there, as well, I think. Is it spotlight um, reporting? Spotlight reporting, yep. And that allows you to do a three-way integrated forecast. So it allows you to see what the implications are on your profit and loss balance sheet and cash flow of any, any changes in scenarios. Right. So it's also, also really useful. And you can, all, you can build a dashboard and spotlight that suits your business. And right, get the reports, okay. The reports that are important to you. So, and I guess that's probably more useful for sort of um, slightly larger SMEs, is it? I mean, I wouldn't imagine that a one-man band plumber or, or somebody that's got two or three guys... Um, and yeah. they're sort of going from a paper-based system to an automated system. That's probably kind of maybe aimed a little bit higher than those sorts of businesses, is it? I don't know. Yeah, I would say that zero on its own has really powerful reporting. Mm. Um, but once you start to get into, you know, multi-locations and, you know, numerous numbers, members of staff and different operations and mm. all, all of those types of things, having a bolt-on app that has a bit more powerful reporting mm. and is a bit more flexible can be really useful. Yeah, I mean, the flexibility, that was the thing that really struck me, was literally sort of three or four, I think it was probably less than 10 keystrokes when I was on a call with Graham earlier this week. And, and it literally, the forecast went from having really low base with no sales for three months to, well, what happened if that project came in? Actually, what would that look like? And it changed it so, so quickly that, I mean, I would years ago, I would have probably spent half a day doing that in Excel. A, because I probably probably being a bit sort of anal, a bit OCD, I would have wanted every pound to be right. But if it's near, if and that's another point, is that forecasting these days, you know, it needs to be relative to the size of business, I think. And worrying about the nearest pound is probably a bit sort of pointless when you're looking at actually what are we, where, where are we going to be in three months' time, you know, because to the nearest pound is pointless. You might as well just look at the nearest 10 grand. I think it depends on the business what the level of materiality would be, you know, but you're absolutely right. There's no point in counting, you know, does that match to the, thir to the 13 pence that's, that's on there? Yeah. Or, you know, is the business going to have cash in, in three months' time? And that's what you really want to know as a business owner. So, you know, as accountants, we're not spending the time doing finding the 13 pence mm. at, at this point in time. That's not, that's not our focus. Our focus is on, are you going to have cash next week? Are you going to have cash next month? Are you going to have cash in three months' time? Because depending on where that pinch point is, where you, where you don't have cash, um, that is going to really drive the decision making between yes. now and then. And if if you can make quick decisions, then you can push that out further. You know, if it if it means reducing costs, if it means you know changing things about, asking for payment plans, then it just pushes that along further and further. That's the thing, and it's about being able to act quickly, isn't it? And that's why it's so important to have that kind of accurate. Accurate enough, I think, is probably the way to describe it. Accurate enough yeah. information to make those decisions and act quickly because it's yeah. people that move fast that are successful, not people that move and I think 100% If you were perfection. to look at a comparison of, would you, do you want information on Monday that's maybe £10 out or do you want the information in three weeks' time that's exactly to that £10? Yeah. So it's, it's, the world's it's moved on. Yeah, the world's moved I mean. Within sort of 12 hours, we went from, yeah, coronavirus is something that, some, that happened in China to actually, oh my word, the whole of the UK is now in lockdown and the economy just stopped. You know, we need like forecasts sort of, not daily, but almost sort of twice weekly because that's how fast the situation's evolving. So, okay. So I think that covers kind of the automation and stuff. Um, in turn, before we wrap things up, would you, is there any particular advice that you would give for somebody who was an employee right now? I think if you're an employee just now and you are 
you've been furloughed and you're sitting at home, I think the first thing you're probably going to think of is, well, it's going to depend whether your employer's paying 80% of your salary or, or is making it up to the 100%. That's going to be really dependent on the business and whether the business has got funds to be able to, um, to make it up. So you might be sitting there now on, on an 80% 80% salary thinking, I've lost that other 20%. The way to sort of reframe that would be, you know, there are mortgage payment holidays available just now. There are options to phone the council and try and get council to deferred. Um, there are options to phone loan providers and try and get payment holidays there. And the, the one other thing to, rem to remember about as well is you almost have a cost of sales of getting to work. So if you've, you're spending travel expenses, if you're buying coffees, if you're, you know, going out at the weekend, all of these different things that you're not, you're not going to be doing now. So it's, you're probably going to end up in roughly the same position, but at this time you won't be working. The other thing I would say is keep busy. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a, you know, a three week holiday or a three month holiday, however long people are, are off for. Keep busy um, and keep doing different things. And whether that's just going out for a daily walk and looking on LinkedIn and seeing what's going on there. Or maybe a bit of day spotting. Maybe deer spotting, just like I was doing. <laughs> yeah. causing, uh, causing people to get worried about you. Yes. Okay, so, and then three tips for, for sort of business owners right now. What are three sort of pearls of wisdom from the team um, of Empowered by Cloud? Know where you are. You need to know where you are right now. So if you're, you don't know where you are, that's, that's a priority. Bring everything up to date um, and look at the bank balance. How much have you got in the bank today? what money's due in, what money's due out, and then almost do a what-if scenario with regards to what if none of the income that you're due comes in. Because you know, there's a lot of people holding on to a contract that they've got and saying, well, I've got a contract, so that means I'm going to get paid. That doesn't mean that you're going to get paid. If someone doesn't have any money, they don't have any money. That's just key. Um, yeah. <laughs> a second um, tip would be talk to HMRC. There's an automatic VAT deferral. So... <laughs> You don't need to do anything other than cancel your direct debit if you're a VAT registered business. Um, but other taxes, PYE, corporation tax, CIS, speak to HMRC um, and try and defer those. There's a time to pay helpline. Once you defer them, then you can arrange a plan after that. I think um, from what I'm, I'm hearing and from, from talking to HMRC themselves, they seem to be a lot more interested in having a conversation with people at this time. That's quite interesting. Really good idea, actually. It's really good, and it's good to hear that revenue are quite happy to sort of have that conversation. I guess the question would be whether they've actually got the resources to facilitate those conversations. I think there's there's quite long um, there's quite long delays to get through to them. But yeah, I heard a story of somebody's being on a call for ten hours on hold, and then they drifted to sleep <laughs> just, just about four minutes before somebody was getting an answer. So I'm sure they were um, kicking themselves for that. So. Well, that's really great. There's some really useful stuff there. Thank you for that, Laura. If people wanted to get in touch with you um, that, that don't already work with you, um, but like the sound of some of the stuff that you're talking about, what is the best way for them to, um, for them to do that? Because I appreciate not everybody's got you on speed dial. Um, drop me a LinkedIn message. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot. Or an email to laura at empoweredbycloud.co.uk. We're in the house, you know, we're, we're in the house nine till five, so we'll be able to come back to you quite quickly. Um, if, if there's anything that you, you want to even just chat over, more than happy to have a conversation. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you for your time. That's been really useful, and I'm sure there's some really You're good welcome. tips thank there you for, very much for, for, um, for certainly for some people to take away. And even if they don't do anything now, I think people will um, certainly remember some of that stuff going forward. So, so thank you very much for your time. No problem, thank you.
Thanks for listening to the On The Block podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Richard does, please visit his website, www.stonecontracts.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy his show. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the blog.